The buildings are our enemies, but we go to war every day and we know very little. I mean, I stood outside in front of buildings. Some of the things I had to deal with was guest-based knowledge. Well, if you have decision-based knowledge, then your strategies and tactics become better. Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me for another edition of Code 3. You are now listening to the show for and about firefighters. Let's get started. Here's some easy math for you. What percentage of your time is spent on the rig and available? Now, what percent of that time do you spend looking at the exterior of buildings in your first due area? You know, planning for future responses? Now, here's the tricky one. Now here's the tricky one. How much time do you spend stopping by these buildings to look inside? Today's guest says that's critical when you're looking at a tilt-up concrete structure. That's because this style of construction can be deceptive, and the outside doesn't necessarily give away what the inside looks like. Jack Murphy spends a lot of time thinking about what he calls recon. He's chairman of the High-Rise Fire Life Safety Directors Association in New York City. He's a retired fire marshal, a former deputy chief, and a former deputy fire coordinator in Bergen County, New Jersey. He's the author of numerous fire service articles. He's written a field handbook on the Rapid Incident Command System, as well as the pre-incident planning chapter of Fire Engineering's Handbook for Firefighter 1 and 2. And Jack Murphy joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Thank you for having me, Scott, today. What makes concrete tilt-up buildings more deceptive than others? Not so much the outside, Scott, because we know it's a type 1 construction, you know, poured concrete slabs that tilt up. It's the inside contents that can be very deceiving to everybody. We're familiar with large Home Depots, Lowe's, Costco's, and the contents in there, but some of these smaller tilt-up buildings, they're either 30 to 40 feet high, could have multiple tiers inside. Do they normally have more tiers or more floors, or are they normally open all the way up to the ceiling? Depends, Scott, on what the event of the business owner wants to do with that building. For an example, uh, I dealt with years ago, uh, I think it was 300 square foot warehouse. It was a paper storage warehouse and a major fire occurred there. What we found out was that there were three levels in there. So it went from 300,000 square feet to 900,000. Higher fire load uh, and the sprinklers that were there, they were not effective. So in this tilt up article building that I wrote it was a smaller building, but you feel on the outside, you feel comfortable. It's a type one. It's got four hour rating. When you go inside, everything is a type five. It's type one on the outside, but it seems like the inside of these buildings are all ad hoc. It doesn't seem like there's any rhyme or reason. 
No, there isn't. Again, it's just what the client wants to do with, uh, with that building. And, and they're, they're all over the place. We're looking at also, I, I like to concentrate on the smaller ones, but Amazon and Tesla, they're like four fo- football field long. <laughs> it's like huge, million square feet. They are, they are going to be a challenge for all of us. Is there any way we can recognize the interior configuration at all from the outside? Are there any clues? Yeah, look at the title of the building. All right, see what it is. What does it say in there? Does it say, the, you know, Scott Orr office building? Does it say Jack Murphy's workshop? And if I see something like that and I'm driving by on, on the fire rig, I, I get asked, stop, get off, go inside, take a look. You're going to be responding here. And what you find out on the inside is not what you see on the outside. So now when you go into the inside, you need to take mental vision, visionary pictures of what if you had to do an attack on the second floor? How do you get there? What is on the second floor? So all these things you're gathering ahead of time. And the whole process here, Scott, is that we go to battle every day with these buildings. And I, I say right now with the United States, probably about – no. About 10% of the fire department have somewhat of effective building intelligence pre-planning. The rest, we're, we're just all scrambling around. The whole idea is that, what Frank Brannigan said, the buildings are our enemies, but we go to war every day and we know very little. I mean, I stood outside in front of buildings. Some of the things I had to deal with was guest-based knowledge. If you have decision-based knowledge, then your strategies and tactics become a lot better. Well, if you read enough line of duty death reports, you realize that a lot of these buildings, no one's ever done a pre-plan or they don't really know how they're laid out. And, and pre-plan is, it, I, I say right now, I'm, I'm of the attitude of changing the word pre-plan. I'm really, these, this is recon intelligence. That's basically it. A lot of the times the fire, fire companies think that planning goes to either fire prevention or the code enforcement. Oh, this is, this is your knowledge on the street. And the more you know, the better off you are for safety and precautions on the fire ground. On this tilt-up building that I said was about 75 to 80 feet in diameter, on the inside there was OSB roof rafters and, and wooden truss floors for the mezzanine. The interior, when you come in the front door on side A, you have to walk in about 50 feet, and on the left side, there was a drop-down door. When do you see an overhead door like this inside a building, number one? Next to that was a, was a wooden staircase. The whole staircase, Scott, was exposed wood. It was all OS and B. It was the riser and, and, and the step. There was no covering. How long are you going to stay on that step to do an attack? When you get to the mezzanine level and you turn around the corner, there are heavy machinery up here on top of this. What's the time factor of that once you get there? So the more you know about that and the, and the type of fire you have on the inside, we all know the clock starts once you arrive, but how long is this going before you get there? This building had no sprinklers, had no fire alarm system, so you never get an advance warning. Has this building passed inspection? No, it, it passed inspection, Scott. It, it's, in the, it's within the, the minimum code requirements, and when it was put up, I, I don't know for sure. But again, that could have been some part of the, what we call the grandfather section of the codes. The, the other challenge when I looked at this building, and this is in a very warm climate, <laughs> very warm, all right? They had, they had 23 skylights on the roof. So think about the truck operations up there. Yeah, that, that's going to be a problem for the truck crew. Most definitely. 
There are, there are five HVAC units on the roof. And see, the first thing I'm thinking is with all that weight from the HVAC plus the skylights, that roof has not got a lot of structural integrity. Most definitely. And they put solar panels on the roof, too. So the idea is, like I said, you have to get off the rig. You got to go inside. And and every everyone in the on the company there, whether it's two, three, four, they all have different eyes. Take a look at things. Ask questions. I took a, a fire company through a, a hospital setting, trained all four shifts. On the third shift, someone came up with something that we passed several times. Asked the question, and we found we dug into that. And this is what I call new sets of eyes. This has to be collected as data, and electronically these days we have this capability. Everyone doesn't have their original phone. We were into about the fourth or fifth model of our phone. And same thing with laptops. You know, I, my laptop, I only had it four years ago. It started to crash. The guy told me you got to replace it. It's old. Uh, well, thank God they're not replacing me. Jesus, I'd be dead a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so nowadays, things are changing so rapidly. We need to uh, input it. Get my, my suggestion is the companies who feel that this is a challenge to them, you know, start with a target building. And you, build, you work your way out. Get a lot of these younger guys involved. They're, they're computer savvy. Start collecting data. All right. I can't be riding around in the back of the cheese car on a rig with a three-leaf three binder. The other thing, with electronically, it could be it could be done on an annual basis. The, ups, the updated data, and you can you can get the support from the building owner too. All right. So one of the things I, I concerned in an electronic version is I put in uh, fire protection impairments in construction. So if you have an impairment with a sprinkler or a standpipe, you can you can log that in and and do a link automatically to the fire department, and, and they know going out the door that say like on the seventh floor the sprinklers are out today or two days. You can connect to the building department when they issue permits. That can go to the fire department too. So you know when alterations are going on, new constructions going on. So we ha we have this what we call big data. And the whole idea is how to break the big data down into what I call three manageable levels. The NFPA has a thing out there you can go look at smart firefighting. We have all these things, but no one's really jumping off the page saying we want to get this. It's very affordable. The whole idea is, Scott, is that my father retired as a World War II vet. He retired 30, 36 years on the job. He left all his knowledge going out the door. I, I have no knowledge of him in the buildings he went in and, and had fires on. So if we create a, a legacy base in, in an electronic format, and I'm saying electronic a lot, Scott, because I want everybody to get off the paper. If we do this, that becomes a base for everything. When that occupancy changes, they moved out, someone else moved in. So at least you have a history of what's going on in the building. And, and that's, that's very important. I'll be back with more right after this. It may be the most important, most impactful, and most moving podcast about firefighters ever. It's True Fire. It's about firefighters who have made the ultimate sacrifice while trying to save lives and property. This is a six-episode first season, and I've already produced a pilot episode. You can hear it at truefirepodcast.com. You'll find it to be a docudrama like none you've heard before. Now it's up to you. 
In order to produce the rest of the season, I've launched a Kickstarter funding campaign. It's a massive job to create this series, much more than Code 3, and it takes resources. So please go to truefirepodcast.com and click on the Kickstarter link to help me reach my goal by July 13th. It's an all or nothing deal, so I'm counting on you to make this happen. Let's honor these men and women and make sure the world never forgets their sacrifice. I think there's probably a feeling among firefighters that this stuff is important to do. Why don't they want to do it? Yeah, I, I, that's the thing that I'm trying to come up with, Scott, particularly when, again, that's why I'm saying change the word pre-planning and tell them that they're, they're going out and doing recon today. And based on the recon, we're going to create the intelligence for this building and we're going to have battle plans ready. And it isn't just for a fire. Nowadays, we're dealing with all these other adverse conditions, all, all hazard non-fire threats. And this, this isn't built just for the fire department. The police department can use this too particularly when they're dealing with active shooter. What do they know about the building? Where are the doors getting in? Where are the, where the doors that they really can't see? Did they, did they have a loading dock come in a different way? So these are all little things that even OEM can share. And what, I'm, what I looked at is saying, here's, a fire, here's the building owner. They see this. Here's the fire department, the police department, OEM. Building owner will never see what, what all three of those agencies put in if they, if they all want to join into the mix. When you get onto the fire ground for a major event uh, and unified command, you can share your silos of information with the three agencies. And this is what I call real smart firefighting, smart cities. In this July issue coming up, or June issue, my uh, chief, Battalion Chief Jerry Tracy, the, him and I, are, and Chief Murtaugh are doing a high-rise book. It's, it's, we're almost done with it. But we put in, they asked us to write uh, smart city, smart firefighters. We did it on that one based on high rises. The skyline there, Scott, if LA hasn't had it, they're going to get what we call uh, super and mega tall. Super tall is up to uh, 900 feet. A mega is anything over 1,900 feet. These are coming too. And everybody said, oh, it's the big cities. No, I call it small cities, big buildings. You can have a small town and you're still challenged with a, like a seven or eight story building that you really don't have that much information on. So the whole idea is feel comfortable with this stuff. And just take a look at some of the things uh, I'll tell the audience to look at some of the things I've written on fire engineering over the years. You, you go in and you look at a building. Here's one, it's, it's just like this, Scott. It's not a tilt up building, but it's what I call lightweight wood, what we call platform buildings. So the platform is probably 600 feet long, this one and that's poured concrete, and everything else above it, five stories is all wood frame. These are, these are what I call, these are, I call these ground scrapers. They're a high-rise laid flat, okay? And the thing here, when we went into the building with the chief and everything, they said, look, I'm looking down the hallway. I said, Steve, where's the other stairs? He goes, all oh, at the other end. Where's the one in the middle? Oh, they, they got a variance. They, they, they don't, didn't have to put it in because they fully sprinkled the building. Okay. But the distance down there is quite long. How are your hose stretches? All right, look at that. We go downstairs in, into the what I call the protected area. 
And on the, on the platform, the concrete platform, Scott, is, is required by code to be poured concrete because the, the cars are down there. And then the other thing is the, the elevator shaft is con concrete block, and so the stairwells. Everything else is wood. And we have voids because we have trusses and everything. So we're just talking and walking around. And we go down to the garage. I said, oh, wow, this is where all the gas meters come down. And now they have that new, the new flex yellow lines. They, 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 well, they did one good thing I like. They put a bumper in front of it so the cars couldn't hit it. But they put the car engine right next to it. So you have a car fire. <laughs> it's like, and then we kept going from one to the other. And, and what it was is that he, he had a better appreciation of what they were picking up and invited his companies to go in there and take this building apart and have things set up for you. They at least went in, said that if they had to do an attack, they're that close, it's not that hard, they would take all the two-inch hose off the, off the back of the pumper. All right, so again, make intelligence for your building, and each department has unique things, and make it work for your department, whether you're going out as a volunteer, three-man three -man engine company, or you're up to a four-man, five-man engine company. Just make it work for you. All right, Jack Murphy, thanks very much for talking to me about Tilted Buildings and Recon. You're welcome, Scott. If you want to know what's inside these walls, you'll have to go in and look. As Jack says, Recon is important. It isn't an exaggeration to say it can save lives. Too often, firefighters are killed in fires because no one knew something critical about the building's design or its construction. So what do you think? How often do you do recon? I'd like to hear from you. You can leave your comments on our website at code3podcast.com slash surprise. There are links to more resources there as well. Or if you're willing to have your voice on the air, I'd love to put you on a future show. Leave me a voicemail at 562 337 9902 and I may use it. 562-337-9902. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more and I hope you'll be here too. I'm Scott Orr and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.